Hey, this is Brent Jensen, author and host of the No Sleep Till Sudbury podcast series, the place where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. My latest book, All My Favorite People Are Broken, examined the fact that music can tell us who we are based on the types of music we really connected with at various points in our lives. As music fans, we all have that special grouping of songs that have a certain emotional control over us. Maybe they make us feel like we can lift a Dodge Dakota over our heads. Maybe they bring us to tears. Maybe we know why. Maybe we don't. Either way, these songs have a very distinct power over us. And this podcast series is the place where we talk about that, where we celebrate that. This series was designed to serve as an interactive extension of All My Favorite People Are Broken, in the sense that it's an opportunity for guests of the show to have their moment, to talk about their special songs, the same way that I did in my book. And because music is so far-reaching and universal, the discussion is absolutely limitless. In the first 15 episodes alone, I've talked to people about rock, hip-hop, metal, Britpop, country, folk, funk, blue-eyed soul, jazz, calypso. We even talked about classical compositions. The stories I've heard so far are incredible, and the knowledge I've gained, immense. And that's something I've always loved about discovering new music. The excitement of the learning experience involved. If this podcast achieves anything, it will have been to initiate just that. That special learning experience that comes through the sharing of music. The impact music has on people, including myself, has always fascinated me. And that's something I'm looking forward to really exploring and digging into in this series. Throughout my life, I've always been drawn to people with whom I could have an in-depth musical discussion. It's almost like you're speaking a unique language with each other. There's an instant connection. The musical discourse on No Sleep Till Sudbury is limitless because the guest pool is too. You never know who's going to be on the show next. One episode may feature a celebrity or a well-known musician, and the next episode may feature the bartender from my local. And that's because as music fans, every one of us has a unique take on how we interpret music, how we interact with it, and how it impacts us as individuals. The reason why mixtapes were so popular years ago was because they were a vehicle by which we could express our emotional identities to others in a way that we wouldn't or maybe couldn't verbalize. In recent times, playlists have taken the place of mixtapes, but the intention remains the same, to provide a representation of our emotional selves to others by sharing that music that makes our skin tingle, that music that truly represents who we really are at our cores. So far on the series, my guests have included a prominent music writer from the UK, an on-air radio personality from New York City, an author from Nashville, Tennessee, a DJ from Oshawa, a musician from Florida, and one of my neighbors from down the street, among many, many other guests. And that list will go on and on and on, because as music fans, we all have one thing in common. We love to express ourselves through talking at length about the music that we love. Some of the episodes are funny, some are a little bit more serious. Some are longer, some are brief. But there are no rules, and the context of discussion is completely unlimited. You'll never, ever know what's coming next. Here's a little taste of what you can expect to hear on No Sleep Till Sudbury. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Ron McLean. That's pressure, Brent. That's <laughs> like, like Ziggy's favorite cartoon is Ziggy looking at Have a Nice Day. Would you please not put pressure on me? <laughs> no pressure at all. You're an old pro. What are you I, talking about? Well, you know what? At 58, uh, I've learned not to get too wound up about that and certainly not to take myself too seriously to worry about it. So you're right. There's no pressure. Led Zeppelin, when they were around, was absolutely crucified 
for ripping off the blues artists of the mm-hmm. 30s and 40s. Right. And they were, you know, it was, it was a, you know, so 1972, they're ripping off something from 1940, let's say. Yeah. So that's a difference of 32 years. So they were ripping off music that was 32 years old. Yeah. Greta Van Fleet comes out in 2017, let's say, and people accuse them of ripping off Led Zeppelin, who were formed 50 years ago. Yeah. So even though this music has been in popular culture for all of those 50 years, you still have to understand that these kids, their upper teens and lower 20s, you have to understand that they are as removed from the Led Zeppelin era, actually more removed from the Led Zeppelin era than we were in the Led Zeppelin era from the original blues from whence a lot of Zeppelin stuff came. That's a good point. So let's just keep that in mind and understand that a lot of these younger bands, a lot of women, I mean, more than half of women in the UK who are taking music lessons are picking up the guitar. Yeah. Uh, After seeing guitar sales start to drift down over a decade, there are signs that they're picking up. Ah. And if you listen to some of the music, the new music that's coming out, a lot of it is guitar, bass, and drums. It will never be as big as it was, especially in the United States. But it's not dead, and it's just waiting for the next generation to figure out that it's a lot of fun to play it. Okay, the next tune. I'm a huge fan of this guy, David Bowie. An interesting pick, Yeah, Tara. isn't it? So Black Star, tell me about that. Well, I'll tell you why I picked that. And, that, of course, David Bowie is, I mean, he's one of my favorite artists. Me too. The album Black Star came out um, January 8th, 2016. It mm-hmm. was his 25th full-length LP mm-hmm. and came out on his 69th birthday mm-hmm. and two days later David Bowie died yes um, he's one of my all-time favorite artists for so many reasons as a songwriter as an icon as somebody who completely stood out and did whatever he wanted to do he was just a fearless performer I, I mean I remember when when Black Star came out I was so excited because it was a new body of work from Bowie and it was as brilliant as anything he he's done. You know, like there are just very few periods in his life where he's fallen out of relevance, you know, from like when earthling came out, like working with Trent Reznor, stuff like that. He's just, he's so dialed in. And I was listening to it. I was working, um, I guess it would have been the third season of hometown hockey. Mm -hmm. We flew into Regina. And so I listened to it sort of intensely on my drive to swift current. Okay. Um, and I was just blown away and I was listening and listening and listening over and over again. And then we did our, uh, show in Swift Current. It was a very emotional show because a lot has happened in Swift Current. Mm. Bus crash many mm. years ago, which now is sort of not eclipsed, but like, you know, four people died. Four of the Swift Current Broncos died in, um, bus crash in the eighties. So we talked a lot about that on the show. We had Sheldon Kennedy on the show. Oh. So for people who don't know, he, Sheldon is a former hockey player who, withstood a whole ton of childhood sexual abuse and trauma. So it was a very intense program. And so we were out afterwards, um, you know, eating and having a glass of wine. And I think I was just very raw. And it's when I got a text from my brother saying, oh, my God, Bowie is dead. Oh, my God. And so, I mean, I that's the first time in my life, probably won't be my last, but it's the first time in my life I just lost it when one of my heroes mm-hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I picked that song because he just, it's like his brilliant mind. He was sick, dying of cancer, 
put out this incredible album with these incredible songs that, you know, upon his death became all the more meaningful. Yeah. And, you know, he had, he had engineered that. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a goodbye to his fans. And and just even, you know, saying that kind of chokes me up a little bit because I'm a a massive, massive Bowie fan. Yeah. It gives me chills to think about it. Yeah. And, you know, right to the end, he was, he, he was still kind of dialed in and in control, you know? Oh my God. Like just, just a beautiful piece of work, but made all the more potent by knowing. Yeah. So. And and I don't know if, if you knew, but I don't think anyone, a lot of people didn't know that he was even sick. No, he was very private. I mean, I, I'd heard that he had some health concerns over the years, but mm-hmm. no, I did not know. Yeah. No, no clue. I know. That, that that one, you know, you, you sadly, you're seeing these people pass now. Yeah. But this one was extremely tough for me. It was by far the hardest one. Yeah. Sobbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am here with Mr. Rob Proust. We are in a studio in New York City. West 72nd Street, down the street from the Dakota. And we're on, I don't know, like the third floor. We're in a a little room with a piano. And uh, we're going to do a Halloween episode. What's the scariest Spoon song that you can think of? (sighs) Let's see. Do we have scary songs? You had no scary songs in the Spoons. We must have had a scary song. How about Honeymoon Suite? Honeymoon Suite had scary songs? <laughs> no scary songs. The good thing with music though, you can make any song scary. If you take it and you make it a minor song, it always makes it sound scary. So if I take a Honeymoon Suite song, what does it take? example of someone who listens to music not with their ears but like their whole entire body and so you could literally just watch him and if you listen to sir duke there's parts in it where stevie wonders in the back and he's like yeah yeah and then you know in the back and he's like yeah ha, ha, ha. that's yeah. how my grandfather used to listen to music oh that's great and so you'd literally be sitting in a room and, and a song would come on and you'd be having a conversation with him and he would stop what he was 
you know, and he'd be like, bat, bat. and he was just like so into it. I love that. And so anytime I hear that song, he's since passed my grandfather, but mm. it reminds me so much of him because I can actually hear his voice when I hear it. Oh, that's And so then cool. it's kind of like a tribute to him because he was so fanatical about jazz music. Yeah. So that's, that's why I love that song. And that's plus, awesome. The part in the chorus when Stevie Wonder's like, ah, and he goes like, so like, I don't know what it is, but like I get chills every time he goes into wow. it. Does everyone sing on your podcast or is it No, you're the, you're the really first one. I'm really sorry. Yeah. You're the first but one. there's just something about the way that he sings that it just gives you the chills. Yeah. Can you auto tune it when you actually make it live? I'll see what I can okay, do. Thanks. We'll see. It, the reason why I put this on is just because it's exactly what I seek in music, the, the fragility, there's a purity in emotion. And um, the song's crescendo comes right around the two-minute mark. It's it's two minutes and 30 seconds long, I think. And and right around the two-minute mark, uh, the singer Rachel's voice cracks, and, and this this tsunami of emotion comes through the speakers. And you can physically feel it, you know, and that, that tsunami wave is sustained all the way through those 30 seconds to end the song by her desperate kind of wounded vocal. And when it ends, you're just left reduced by what you've heard. I, the song completely took me by surprise when I heard it. Everything just stopped. And I played it over and over and over again. And for me, the, the best thing about these songs is that they allow you that opportunity to put yourself inside them. You know, they allow for um, vicarious experience. And through these songs, you can kind of, you, you can you can reach out and touch the flame without burning your hand. You know, you can kind of flirt with that darkness without having to, to deal with it or confront it directly. And, and, and with this song, particularly those last 30 seconds, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like reliving every heartbreak you've ever experienced over the course of your life all at the same time. So now you're speaking my language here. Oh boy. Your next song is Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Yes, it is. What's that doing on the list? What is that doing on the list? <laughs> Was that a bad question? It just kind of seems out of place. So I'm sure it seems a bit <laughs> out of place, but it's... Would you classify this? Let me ask you a question. Would you classify this as an 80s song? I think I would. Would you? I, it's, I think it's actually on my playlist as an 80s song. Oh. It's not, it's not an 80s song? <laughs> I, I, I look at it a completely different way because I, I made a significant emotional investment in the band Guns N' Roses for me, and this is, this is for me only. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't label them as 80s. When I think about 80s, I think about Level 42, mm -hmm. Madness, Cyndi Lauper, Madonna. That's I don't true. necessarily think. I know that you know the album came out in 87. Yeah. I know they were in 80s you know, band, but only in, in the sense of, of time mm -hmm. for me. You know, I don't count them that way. And I mean, maybe that's ridiculous, but that's how I see it. I'm going to be 55 years old in 2017, and here I am. I'm buying Iron Maiden records. Good for you. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm at the point now, Brent Jensen, I am obsessed with Iron Maiden, I'm even bubblegum stuff oh come on <laughs> no bubblegum stuff man i love these sad songs but over the course of my life i've always asked myself you know do these songs mend the holes in my heart or do they make them i was thinking that's quite different from the england that i knew in the sense of i had many female lyricists songwriters in my formative years, who kind of taught me how to feel. Yeah. 
Whereas for that character in that movie, she didn't have that. So that got me thinking about, you know, what has been the story of kind of British female lyricist songwriters over the last couple of decades? Um, And then those that have taught us as British women in our formative years and thereafter how to feel. So that's kind of how I came at it. Is that... That's fantastic. I think it's a great concept. Okay, so... Now I have to before you go on. Yeah, are you, are you are you a Joni Mitchell fan? You know that I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, for somebody from Europe, Joni has a, a different level of, of of kind of connection and resonance. I think really, there's a very North American feel to her music. Very much so. Um, but yes, who who wouldn't love <laughs> Joni Mitchell? I mean, I would struggle to be friends with them if they didn't like <laughs> Joni Mitchell. Quite honestly, but. And they come back from the break, straight into Ted, and he goes, Look at you, Kentucky! Look at you, Kentucky! One time, Kentucky! I'm going to tell you something right now, Kentucky! I'm going to play the sexiest guitar lick that's ever been played! <laughs> and so I remember, I'm like, so I'm like getting like really close to the radio, and I'm like, Did he say the sexiest guitar lick of all time? What, <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, come on. That's a, that's a, what a bold. It's a bold statement, yeah. Yeah, that's a bold statement right there. Uh, what, what could this be? And then for like the next nine minutes of stranglehold, he absolutely proves it. <laughs> so next you've got Nancy Sinatra, and these boots are made for walking. Isn't that just silly? <laughs> when I was trying to think of the songs, and it's just such a silly song, but um, it actually takes me back this one to when I was a kid, and of course I'm not quite old enough for this to have been a hit when I was younger, but it was a hit when my parents were younger. Mm -hmm. And, um, my sister and I used to do these shows, um, (laughs) where we would like perform for my parents' friends when they would come over for dinner. And my mom would always forewarn us, you know, no shows tonight. You guys just stay in the basement and play and we're going to have dinner. And (laughs) so while we were in the basement playing, my sister and I would play music and we would dress up in these costumes and we would put on a show. Mm. And, um, one of our favorites was my mom had these amazing boots that are like classic 70s, you know, with the yeah. big chunky heel and the big tall boots that zipped up the sides. And yeah. I I think they were like white leather or something. They were just awful. <laughs> but we loved them and we would put them on and we would turn on the Nancy Sinatra and we would, you know, pretend like we were her and we were walking in our boots. <laughs> awesome. It's so funny. Yeah. Silly things, you know, but just more memories of it just reminds me of my sister. Oh, yeah. You had told me that earlier. And and I thought back to when I was a kid and we had, uh, you know, I was probably eight or nine. We had like a just a a box of of these dress up clothes. Right. Yes. Whatever it was. And so in the basement and I would go and uh, there there were these huge platform shoes, you know, and I grew up in the 80s, too. And this is probably like late 70s. And so I took these uh-huh. shoes that were white. They were women's sh- like boots or clogs or whatever they were. They were massive. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, in my wisdom, took a black marker and covered the white with black because I no. wanted. Oh yeah, <laughs> turned them into oh, like no. like kiss platform boots. You know, right? So, and I, I have a picture of myself in these things in a black wig, and you know, it, you you do these things when you when you're a kid. It's <laughs> It's so goofy, but it's funny at the same time. Did you do the makeup and the eyeliner and oh, stuff too? Yeah. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like every Halloween for the next 16 years, you know. But I almost feel like 
uh, Nirvana, the rise of Nirvana and the rise of Pearl Jam and the rest of those bands, Alice in Chains, was almost like an overcorrection against mm. the, the bloat of that goofy, glammy hair metal. And I mean, it, it, almost in the same way that punk was against, uh, you know, the, the big stadium rock like REO Speedwagon and Sticks and all those bands of the 70s. There are Beatles people and Stones people. You don't have to be one or the other, but there's a preference, right? So, mm-hmm. And I'm very much a Stones person over a Beatles person in that respect. And and within the Beatles, you're a John person or you're a Paul person. That's and right. I'm, a, I'm a Paul person, which almost every time I say that, I seem to be talking to a John person who wants to spit in my face because <laughs> some, somehow Paul is the lesser Beatle, you know? But I, I certainly don't feel that way. I don't either. But you know what? Sorry, before you go on. So when I was at school, I think that, you know, through different phases of your life, you become different Beatles. When I was um, in university, I was definitely a John. But, you know, as I um, kind of maybe gained a little bit more wisdom and matured a little bit, I became a Paul person, I found. Well, that that was your last song. This is a very impressive list, Teresa. Thank you. Yeah. And I, um, I love what you did with it. I really enjoyed the chat. This is a very enjoyable show. For did me. I mention I have about 10 songs from Pitbull that I wanted to discuss? Uh, it was enjoyable. <laughs> so I was going to say, why don't you just come back and do the show again? But now if you, if you bring a Pitbull song in, I just can't have you back. <laughs> so your book immediately allowed me to, you know, embrace sort of what... It's hard, right? You embrace what what memories you have. Yeah. This is a song that whenever I hear it, I think of her in such a happy state, mm-hmm. despite, you know, my adult, pretty much all of my adulthood, seeing the complete opposite and not seeing her small, not seeing her at all, just withdrawn. So yeah. that's a deep one. It is. And I appreciate you sharing that. But, um, you know, the good news is that you have that song almost as a, a totem you know as a as a, a memory piece it is it, it it really is i was thinking as you were telling me that story i was wondering as she had receded what would have happened had you played that song for her in her depression i wish i had the opportunity to do that the best thing about being young is that we're afforded the liberty of being stupid right and motley Crue's out of the devil is a stupid record for stupid young yes. people Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate, and we are back for part two of our Christmas episode, live at Rick Emmett's house. We're in his basement, actually. There's loads of guitars everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I still have the disease. Gas. Guitar acquisition syndrome. That's right. Yeah. When I was younger, I was drawn to a lot of sad songs and angry songs. And I I, I talked about that in Broken a little bit by saying that they almost balanced me out, almost like the way that a junkie uses quaaludes and cocaine, you know? You probably know six rappers, six rappers. And somehow it's like Cardinal Official. (laughs) I just like to say Cardinal Official. Six rappers. And somehow, somehow Cardinal Official makes your list of six rappers that you know. (laughs) And I have no idea why. And it's amused me from the day that you that you said cart, and I was like, "Who?" Cardinal Official. Guy from Sudbury knows. Again, I'm going to say six rappers for lack of <laughs> totally a six rappers. And that's a stretch. But somehow, Cardinal Official is one of them. The guy's a legend. Clearly, he's a legend because you know him. Yeah, him, Lucas, uh, Kish, Cool Modi, uh, Ice T, and uh, Young MC. 
All right, so you got some you got some young MC's a weird one to throw in there after <laughs> iced tea and and cool mori, but here's the thing, Jamie. For me, we, we don't pick music. You know, it picks us, and particularly at that age. You know, like oh. and, and and Paul Stanley and Kiss um, with this. It kind of achieved this almost in spite of themselves. They certainly didn't intend this to happen to me, you know, and, yeah. and, and quite honestly, if I could choose uh, the song that defined this transformational kind of representation to me, would I pick this song? No. Would I pick something more kind of culturally cooler, maybe like, um, I don't know, like Street Fighting Man by the Stones or a Stones tune? Maybe. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah. kind of weird to say, well, you know, my representational song is Sure Knows Something by Kiss. You know, but I, I feel like I can't deny the truths involved in this because I, I value um, the 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 purity of the idea too much. You know, I'd only be lying to myself if I didn't acknowledge this stuff. You could, you could easily have a, a cooler, you know, more sophisticated list, but that's not what this is about at all. You know. All right, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. I didn't tonight. know this was called No Sleep Till Sudbury. It is called No Sleep Till Sudbury, sir. Why didn't you tell me? Why did I have to tell you? All right. All right. Fair enough. Do you want me to change the title? No. No, keep it the we same. Can do, for tonight's show, we can call it something else if you want. I haven't read No Sleep Till Sudbury. What? I haven't. That's not right, John. Leftover people. And? 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 All my favorite people. Good. All right. And not No Sleep Till Sudbury? No. Okay. I'm not going to hold that against you. We're going to continue with the show. <laughs> So I was thinking that when I introduced you there and I said Jody Watson, listeners might think that I had Jody Watley on the show. Do you remember Jody Watley? Remember Jody Watley uh, from the eighties? Yeah. No, she's uh she was like a pop singer. Um she has a song called Looking for a New Love, like super catchy. And she was oh, 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 yeah. yeah, like like really, really sexy lady. Ooh, yeah. You know how much I love sexy ladies. <laughs> You know, I I wonder if we could maybe we could get Jody Watley on the show. I wonder what she. I wonder if she's Isn't still. I wonder if she's still a sexy lady. Oh, I'm sure she's still sexy. I mean, once you're sexy, you're always sexy. That's you know, that's a good point. It's almost like being the president, right? Once she, even though you're not the president anymore, people still call you the president. I I, I respect Prince, okay. but I kind of see Prince as more of a rock guitarist. You know, and, and other people, unfortunately, bill him as an 80s pop star. Right. 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 Because he's just got such a huge mm-hmm. uh, arsenal, right? He's right. a talented guy. And for a lot of people, guitar was only a little bit. But that was the thing that I kind of really tuned into right. for Prince. So if you heard When Doves Cry right now on the radio as you're driving, do you change the channel? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and know that I will respect you less if the answer is not the right one. Which song has the really great guitar solo at the end of it? Purple Rain? Uh, the fact you, that you don't yes. know that even hurts my heart a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Purple Rain does have the, the long guitar okay, solo. Okay, so I love that. I would not change that song. I might change When Doves Cry. I might change Little Red Corvette. Are you dead inside? Or is it just there's something that happened to you <laughs> in a prior life or something that just... I don't get it. <laughs> Like, how do you not feel things with Little Red Corvette? I don't get it. It's not a great song. It's not a great song? It's really not. I don't think. I'm confused as to what I do right now is if, like, do I leave or do we just continue talking about this? I get it. Okay. We can, we can stop the interview right now. <laughs> I think this is, we're done. We're done. Okay. So, uh, that was the end of your songs. Why don't you give us a little taste of uh, what you're playing? How about Woman Waiting? Right. 
Women waiting. Seriously, that was fantastic. I really like that. I like that a lot. Woman Waiting, latest single. So uh, you are off now to Ottawa. 
like leaving from here literally yeah all right thank you very much for coming in thank you for playing i appreciate it this is so much fun it was right i enjoyed the chat you're welcome back here anytime Oh, good. Okay. We'll see you, uh, what, I'm gonna in a definitely, week or so. We'll come back. Definitely, <laughs> definitely take you up on that, yeah. yeah. All right, I'll be here. Okay. Bringing okay. you back to songs. All right. All right? Sounds good. All right, this has been No Sleep Till Subbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guests, Kelsey Main and Annette Haas. Till next time, folks, take good care. Thanks for listening, my friends. I hope you enjoy the No Sleep Till Subbury podcast series. I'll see you down the road. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 